0: Good evening. I hope all of you are doing great. Tonight we are learning Maseches, Yuma Daf Nun, Aleph. And we're starting four lines from the top with the words Ulerav Sheshes. four and five lines. Um, on the previous blot, we learned a brysa, where we compared the status of uh, to the world of Korbanos, and we isolated the fact that the Korbanos was dealing with a specific Korban, and one of the possibilities of that specific Korban that we saw in the name of Rav Sheishas was that that animal was the Ayal Shel Aron and not the Par. <clears throat> so says the Gemara, piggybacking on that, starting right from there, well, the Rav Sheishas, according to Rav Sheshesh, who in that brisa that I just mentioned, established that the Zevach was speaking about the Ayal Shel Aaron. If that's to be the case, why wouldn't he have used another option that checked off all the boxes? Lukma pesach it should have been a reference to the Korban Pesach. After all, both of them, the Ayal Shel Aaron and the Korban Pesach, fulfill the following requirements. The Doches HaShabbos, the Korban is done on Shabbos, and the Esa and it's done when the Kohen is Betuma, and as well, the osa tmura the Korban Yachid, and it's done as a Temurah because it's a Korban Yachid. As mentioned, the Temurah cannot be done with its Korban Zahur. Mm-hmm. so why then did Rav Sheshis feel compelled to say that the Okimta of the Braith said that the word zevach when comparing zevach to Temurah, that the zevach was referring to the alo shal, Ayalo Shel Aaron when it could very well have been speaking about the Korban Pesach. So to this, the gemara answers, Korban, uh, or six, seven lines down, Non alaf, alaf, kasavar, the Korban Pesach that's brought is always done b'chabura, and uh, the way that we basically describe this is that it's effectively b'shutfiz. it's basically done in partnership and therefore it's not considered to be a Korban yachid, and therefore this uh, brisa, which is speaking about a korban yachid, can't be the korban pesach. asks the Gemara a brilliant question. If that's true, then we learned in Maseches Psachim that there's a korban called a pesach sheni, and the pesach sheni is given in a number of circumstances. The primary one is that when a person who on pesach rishon, on Yodal and Nissan, is betuma. When uh when if I if I were to have uh, been in Bituma on Yudal Nisan, I would not be allowed to bring the Korban Pesach, and therefore I'd only be allowed to bring that Korban on Pesach Sheni a month later. Now, when the Korban Pesach is brought on time, it's brought it's brought in a group. However, when it's brought on Pesach Sheni, it is brought as a yachid, And then the Korban Pesach on Pesach Sheni checks off all the boxes. And now our question against Rav Sheshesh is still stronger. Rav Sheshesh wanted to say that the Zevach, the Korban we were speaking about in the Brice, we learned yesterday, was talking about the Ayolo Shel arun. But there's another Korban, the Pesach Sheni, which checks off the same exact boxes. So why then did Rav Sheshesh not want to pick the Pesach Sheni Korban? And there the Gemara answers, Mi dachituma the Korban, the Pesach Sheni, is it going to be Doche Tuma? We'll learn about this a little bit more, but the short version of this question, which seems rhetorical at the moment, is that if the whole reason why the person couldn't bring the Korban Pesach and Pesach Rishon, if the whole reason why he couldn't join, give the Korban is because he was tameh So then by Pesach Sheni, we're going to bring a bituma. That's a contradiction in terms of course not. And therefore, uh, Rav Shesha only was willing to entertain the option of the zavach and the brisa so we learned yesterday, to mean ayolo shalaron and not what the Gemara is now suggesting as Pesach Sheni, even though in general it checks off most of the boxes, but it doesn't check off the box of the korban being brought bituma. That would not be allowed. Now the Gemara is going to give a sophisticated approach to uh, rejecting this. <clears throat> Here, here we go. We're about a little bit more than a third of the way down. Rav Huna says to Rabba, Vitana. When we learned the brisa yesterday, a different brisa. All these brisas are going to weave together slowly but surely because yesterday it was a, a significantly difficult Gemara with a lot of different pieces. So here the Gemara says, Vitana, Maishna Pesach the la Korban Yachid. Why is it that by the Korban Pesach he referred to the Korban Pesach as a Korban Yachid, the Korban of an individual? Maishna Chagiga the la Korban Sibur. I mean, at the end of the day, every Jew has an obligation to bring the Korban Pesach and every Jew has an obligation to bring a Korban Chagiga. So why was one of them referred to as a Korban yachid, the Korban Pesach, and why was uh, one of them referred to as a Korban Sibur, namely the Chagiga? If you want to say it's because, well, you know, the reason why we refer to it as as a public Korban, the Chagiga as a public Korban, is because it's broad with throngs of people around and it's, okay, Really, technically, it is a korban yachid, but we call it a korban zibur because there's so many people around. Well, if that's true, but pesach nami Asi knufia, then pesach, which in the brisa was identified as a korban yachid, that should that's also brat beknufia. It's brat bechabura. There's thousands of people. We had isruchag to make sure people had time to get in the korban. So they should you shouldn't have differentiated based on that. So says the gemara. After all, we could make a distinction in this Mishnah. This Brysa, which indicates that Pesach is brought by Yachid, maybe it's not talking about regular Pesach, says the Gemara. Maybe when this Brysa said that the Korban Yachid that the Korban Pesach was a Korban Yachid and the chagiga was a Tzibor. And the way we would understand it is that uh, as follows. When that brysa re- references Pesach, it's referencing Pesach Sheni, which Taka is a Korban Yachid. It's not brought by Knufia, it's not brought by Shutfus, it's brought by one person who, due to the fact that he was Tame, on Yodalet Nisan is now bringing it on Yodalet er. Fine, that makes perfect sense. And the Korban Chagiga is then everything is Kaftor Beferach. Maybe that Brisa was really talking about Pesach Sheni. Omar Le' Rava says back to Rav Huna Yoshua. He says Im Vesatuma. If that's true, then we should have a scenario whereby it's Doches Hashabbos Vesatuma, namely that the Pesach Sheni should be Doches Shabbos, which it's not, and it should be Doches tuma, which it's not. Or is it? Says the Gemara that Omar Le' Rav Huna, of Yeshua pushes back against Rava and says, "In it actually is the case. What does it mean? It is the case. Take a look at this. Command Omar You're right. Our Mishnah, which references Pesach as a Korban Yachid, is referencing Pesach Sheni. And yes, that Korban Pesach is Dachi Tuma. Where do we see this Shita, which is a very unique Shita? Says the Gemara, six lines from the bottom of Nonale Kamaralev. Says the Gemara, as follows. The Tanya, the Brizer writes." Pesach Sheni This is not the shita we need. This is the shita of the Tanakama and the brysa. And here the Brisa writes that Pesach Sheni is done even on Shabbos if Yudalad er falls out on Shabbos. So be it. The korban will be brought on that day, the Pesach Sheni korban. This Tanakama is of the opinion that but veino doches satuma that if the if, it cannot be brought when a person is Batuma. However, and this is the shita that's going to be the clincher for our understanding of this brysa. Rabbi Huda Omer af doche satuma very mechudas. Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion that the korban pesach sheni is not, excuse me, is not only brought on Shabbos but it's also brought Bituma. My time of the Tanakama. What's the reason why the Tanakama by pesach sheni writes that it's doche Shabbos but it's not doche tuma So says the Gemara a svarah a beautiful simple svarah. Omar um, Lach, the Tanakama would argue mipne Tuma dachisu. The whole reason why we pushed off from the first time is because he was da'chisu. He was pushed off from the first Korban Pesach because of Tuma. The Yase B'Tuma. And now on Pesach Sheni, when you have the opportunity to bring it, we're going to bring it Tuma. The whole reason why we didn't bring it in the first place was because you were Tame. Now it's Pesach Sheni, he's Tame, we'll let it go. No, it doesn't make any sense. Otherwise, you could have brought it on Pesach Risho. So the Tanakama has a svara issue with, with uh, saying that this Corban could be brought by He says, it doesn't make any sense if the whole reason why you pushed off from Pesach Rishon is because of your tummy. Now that your tummy by Pesach Sheni, of course you should not bring it. However, Rebbe Yehuda, two lines from the bottom, what would Rebbe Yehuda say? Rebbe Yehuda would say, Amar lach, krah, ha-pesach ya'su. So that's what the Pas says, that by Pesach Sheni, all of the rules of Pesach apply to it. Ah, oh, says the Gemara of Afilu that it could even be brought Betuma. What does this mean? The Torah does require, ideally, that when he brings the Pesach Sheni that it's done Betara, Lo Zacha, what if he didn't merit to be a Tahor at that time? Allah is ya asenu a huge kula of Rabbi Yehuda, that we would allow the Pesach sheni to be brought to And what the Gemara does here is it accepts another possibility for what the Zavach was talking about. Let's summarize what we've learned so far four to five lines down, we learned the Shita, we learned again the Shita of Rav Sheishas, that when the Brisa refers to a Zavach, it's referring to uh, the Ayolo Shel Aaron. The Gemara says, why not Pesach Sheni? And the Gemara concludes that actually Taka could be Pesach Sheni, according to Rabbi huda because we need to check off the following boxes in the Brisa. We need it to be something that is Doche Shabbos, we need it to be something that is uh, done bituma, and we need it to be something where the mechanics of Tumura actually work. And that only applies in the case of Ayolo Shel Aaron, that's Taka true, but it even applies in in the case of Pesach Sheni, not within the sheet of the Tanakhama, who doesn't allow that korban to be brought to but within the sheet of uh, Rabbi Huda, who says on the very last four words, Lo Zakha, if you don't end up being tah- Tahor, then still, if you're tami, it doesn't make a difference, Yasenu Bet and that answers that part of the Gemara. Turning to the top of Nun, Aleph, Amad we're gonna to head to the top of Nun, Beis, Amad Aleph, I think, yeah, we're gonna to head to the top of Nun, Beis, Amad four lines down, three lines down, let's continue. Says the Gemara, seemingly out of the blue. Uh, That's why we have Rashi, the tepu clay. Maybe we could learn out from somewhere else. What are we talking about, Bukhla? Take a look at Rashi. So Rashi's highlighting something that we learned last night. What does Rashi say? He says, Yesterday we learned within the Shita of Rebbe Lazar that uh, we asked in regards to the power of the Kohen Gadol, can it be, can, does Tmurah affect it, which is in effect asking the question of whether or not this Korban is a Korban Sibur or Korban Yachid. And the Gemara explains, that really, the other kohanim are a part of this korban bekufia. What does it mean bekufia? So we highlighted yesterday in Rashi that yes, they get some type of kapara, but they're not one one in the same with the kohen gadol. So then the Gemara says as follows: What? Why didn't we understand? this shita of Kufya, why didn't we understand this from another Marimakom? The clay. maybe we should understand what Rabbi Luzer understood, that the Kohanim, the Echav HaKohanim, the, all the Kohanim who are not Kohanim, who are not the Kohen Gadol, that he gets Kapar, but Kufya, it's only as a secondary that these people get Kapar, but they're not really exactly like the Kohen Gadol. Why didn't we learn that from the Pasuk and Chumash that says, the Asher Lo, Omer the Torah says that it is his, namely, that when the Kohen Gadol purchases the Par, uh, the Par, uh, the par Yom shall it has to be with his own money. So it says, says the Gemara, who maybe, has to bring from his own cash. Titania, second line down on Aleph, the B'raiser, writes Asherlo, the Pusik says Asherlo, that it has to be his. who maybe, this is the basic thing that a Kohen Gadol needs to buy the Par Yom with his own money. The Lo Mishel where he cannot use funds from the Tzibor, it has to be his. Lo Yavi Mishel Shein Bo, maybe this first Par, where only the Kohen Gadol and echav are going to get kapara. So maybe we should say that they don't get kapara with this one. However, maybe we should argue that with the first par, that the other kohanim are able to participate financially. Talmud Lomar says the Gemara no. that under no circumstances can anyone fiscally participate in this. It has to be completely owned by the Kohen Gadol. Talmud Lomar, the second time the Torah says the words asher lo, we've already seen Seen it once, it's written a second time to say Asher Lo, that indicates that no, even Echav HaKohanim, who by the first par are going to be part and parcel of the Kapara, they are not allowed to participate financially. yavi, Maybe Taka, it's true that they should not participate, the Echav HaKohanim, the Hevi Kosher, but if in fact they did participate and then the animal was brought, it would be Kosher. Talmud Lo marshu, the says for the third time, Asher Lo. Shina alav We know based on three different ex, uh, explicit references to the words Ashir Lo, that it has to be his. Number one, the basic din that the coin has to pay for the part. Number two, that Echav should not participate. And number three, that even if they do participate, but the evidence does not work, it's The par is a zero. It doesn't give anyone kapara says the Gemara, what do we see from here? What we see from here is the idea that Rabbi Lazar expounded yesterday, which is that the mm-hmm. Echav HaKohanim get kapara b'kukya only on the back of, only in a secondary form to the Kohen Gadol. That's very clear from here that they're secondary because the puzzle says Asher lo three times and the Brisa mm-hmm. completely excludes the Echav HaKohanim from being owners, from being fiscal partners in this Par, par Yom HaKipur. So that seems to be very clear, but asks the Gemara as a retort, but if that's true, if what you're saying is true, that echav ha are not allowed to participate financially, then echav ha-kohanim, if they don't buy in, if they don't purchase, if they don't buy into the par, how then do they get kapara? Doesn't make any sense. The only way to get kapara is if you bring a korban. But if you're not the one bringing the korban, because the Pasuk says asher lo three times, and the Kohen God last to buy the parashat ma'kiburim with his own kesef, with his own money, and the Yechav akohanim are not allowed to even participate, even the Ikuva, so then how do they get kapara? How does the whole thing work? The mechanics are not in place. There's no way the Yechav akohanim could get kapara if it's not, as the Gemara writes, the kanu begave, if they haven't bought in. Says the Gemara, Ella, it must be that shiny Begaza de Aaron. It must be that the Begaza, this is a reference to the ownership of Aaron, is different to Afkare Rachman This is a Dindel Raisa, a unique Dindel Raisa. What's the unique Dindel Raisa? The unique Dindel Raisa is that even though it's true that the Torah says three times and explicitly, and the price is explicit, that only the Kohen Gadol can be the one who puts funds down for the partial Yom Kippurim, even though that's true, but there's a Xerah Sakasu that Akadosh Baruch Barhu is mafgir. He makes um, free for the taking. Really, it's really just uh, done in a way where the Echav HaKohanim can participate. It's Aafkare Rahmana Gabi Echav HaKohan. That's the mechanics here. That you're right that the coin Gadol is the only one who lays out any money. But Akadosh Baruch Barhu made it in the mechanics of this Korban that even Echav HaKohanim get Kapara. And that is ha HaKhanami. Uh, so it's not just true by the case of Par, but it also goes back to the question Rebel Lazar asked about Tamura, and that is how the Gemara answers this question to say that there is something extremely, exceptionally unique about the Parsha Yom HaKipurim, in that the Kohen Gadol is the only one who could put money down. And even though the other kohanim were not kanu they did not invest any money, they had no fiscal ownership whatsoever, but a Kodesh Baruch Hu elements of the Parsha Yom HaKipurim, in order to generate kapara for the Achav This brings us to the new Mishnah one third of the way down, Nunal, from let's continue The Kohen Gadol would be walking through the would be walking through the so the Kohen Gadol, uh, after the par and after all the kapara, would walk the length. He would be going from east to west toward the Heichal, and he'd be walking. And uh, as we will see soon, in one of the Batei Mikdash, there were two parochos. Um, they, would be, they would be like kind of over, going to do it like this, they're kind of overlapped like this. And the Kohen would have to walk around one to get into the Kodesh. But they weren't, and there was an amma space between them. We'll see why momentarily. moment There's an amma space between them, and there was an opening at one end. We'll see which end, machlokes and the Tanaim. There was an opening at one end for the Kohen to weave in, and then he can get around into the Kodesh around each curtain. So each curtain didn't go the whole length of the wall. The one that was closer to him went most of the way, uh, let's say all the way up to the north side, and then he'd wrap around the opening, go all the way down to the south side of the second curtain, and then he'd be able to get in. So that's what the Gemara says here in the Mishnah, and that's the sheets of the Tanakama. Rabbi Yosi Yomer, lo haish Hashem ela paroches achas. I disagree. Oh, Bilvad, there was only one paroches. There were not two parochos. Shene emar behevdi lahaparoches lachem bein hakodesh uvein kodesh hakodesh mufurish apasik en chumish. Does it say parochos? It says paroches. So says the Gemara. Out of the gates here, an excellent question. Says the Gemara, Rabbi you really, you really brought your A game. Says the Gemara, Shapir ka'amar luhu Rabbi Yosi larabanan. He brought a Pasuk in Chumash. It says, parochas. So what are you even arguing, Rabbanon, that there were two parochos? The Pasuk says, parochas. Of course, there's only one parochas. says the Gemara, hold on. The Rabbanon, what would they say? Halfway down. Nunala, mm-hmm. lach. <laughs> <laughs> they will tell you, hanimili <laughs> Mishkan. This was true in the mishkan as the Jews traveled. <laughs> but... In regards to the other two, Bate Mikdash, we had some unique features going on. Number one, in Mikdash Shani, Keimundolo Avoy Amatroxin that used to be in Mikdash Rishon that they had an Amatroxin. What's an Amatroxin? Instead of the curtains, they had a one Amma thick wall. That's what they had. The kedusha of that wall, we were not sure about. We didn't know if it was if the thickness of the wall was part of the regular heichal or if the thickness of the wall had the higher level of kedusha of the Kodesha Kodesh HaKodesh, and we didn't know. In the Beis Mikdash, the building was taller, and because it was taller, it couldn't handle the weight of the Amatroxen, so they didn't have one. They put up a parochas instead. In the Mikdash Rishon, they did have the Amatroxen. In the the parochos." So here's the history lesson. In the Beit Hamikdash Rishon, there was a thick wall, one amma thick, a foot and a half thick wall that separated the Heichal from the Kodesh Hakodesh. In the second Beit Hamikdash, it was a taller, uh, it was a taller height to cover, and because it was a taller height, it was nearly impossible to, um, it was nearly impossible to um, to build the wall to have it stand. So what they did is they didn't build a wall, they just put up a parochas. But because there was a machlokas as to whether or not that one ama thickness of the amatrox when it existed in the mikdash rishon, as to whether it had the kedusha of the heichal, the less holy, or the kedusha, the thickness of the wall of the kedusha of the Kodash kodeshen. So the chachamim said you're right, the pasuk and chumash says you only need one parochas. But we need to put in two because we don't know where the kedusha lies. And we can't just put it in, in the wrong place. It has to be in the right place. Place. so what they did is they put one paroches closer to the heichal side with one opening at the top or the bottom and then you'd walk through that first one and then you'd wrap around the other paroches, and then you'd be in the kodash hakodashim. so that's what the gemara says good says the gemara as follows and the rabbis taught us the was of the opinion that the Kohen Gadol would walk between the Mizbeach and the menorah. The menorah was on the south side of the Heichal. When you look at a picture in front of you and on the left side is the Kodesh, so then the south side would be the bottom. That's where the menorah was. And the Gemara says that he'd walk between the Mizbeach and the, uh, the and the menorah so that means the mizbech is in the middle of the room and he'd walk like, if this were the mizbech and this were the menorah the coin gadol would walk on the lower half on the east on the southern half in between the menorah and the mizbech that's how he would walk that's the shita of rabbi huda Omerno omer no shulchan le <inaudible> bear He'd walk above the mizbech, in between the mizbech and the shulchan, which was on the northern wall. So shita number one rebhuda, he walked below the mizbech. Shita number two, he walked across the hechal above the mizbech. And now shita number three, the yesh omrim bein shulchan lakosel No. The third shita is he'd walk, as we saw previously, the shulchan was offset from the northern wall just a little bit, and there was enough space for the Kohen Gadol to walk by. So this third shita in the Tanayim, in the Braisa, says the Yeshomer bin shulchan l'kosal, he'd walk up against the northern wall in between what was at the northern wall, which is the uh, shulchan, but it was slightly offset from the top, and he'd walk above it. So we have three shitas. Above the menorah, below the Mizbeach, closer to the southern wall. Above the Mizbeach and in between the Shulchan, about two-thirds of the way up on the page. And then on the, the third sheet, was the Yeshomrim. that he walked above even the Shulchan, above all of the Caleb, up against the very top wall, the very uh, northern wall of the uh, of the Hecha says the Gemara, Man Yeshomrim. Who is the sheet of this Yesh Omrim? Amar of Chizda This is the sheet of Rebiosi. Da ah, Amar So now we're getting into the nitty gritties. He says that in the second Beis HaMikdash, when they put up the two parochos, where was the opening of the second of the first parochos? It was on the northern wall. So let's say that on this side of the screen is the Heicham. Okay. And then they put up a screen. They put up a, a parochos like this, but the opening was right here. So the coin gadolka right here, and then from here and down is parochas. So if that's true, so let's say that my above my hand is the opening of the parochas. So Rabbi Yossi would say that, that he walks up on the northern wall, above all of the kalem above the shulchan, and goes straight in. Okay, now he's into the first parochas. That's shita number one, pischa b'tzafon koi. The opening of the parochas was on the northernmost side of the wall. Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda was of the opinion, this was shita number one, that we saw that he walked between the menorah and the Mizbeach on the bottom third, not against the wall, but above the, the menorah and in between the shulchan. That's how he said we would walk. On Marlach, he'd say kai. He would say that the reason why, we, why he was walking so low above the menorah and below the Mizbech was because the opening of the Parochas wasn't up here. The opening of the Parochas was down here. And he had to have to walk through this little entrance right here. So he'd walk in the Hechal doors, go to the south of the Mizbech, but above the menorah, and then go down into the actual opening of the first Parochas. The Remeir, Remeir, Keman Svirle. Who does Remeir hold like? What did Remeir say? Remeir says you walk above the Mizbech, um, but below the uh, Shulchan. So who does he hold like? If he holds like Rabbi Huda, that really the opening of the first parochas was all the way up here at the northern side, then do like him, then you should enter, you should go up and enter into the Kodesh just like he did, which was up against that top northern wall, above even the Shulchan. And if you hold like Rabbi Yossi, then do like said. Yosi said, So says the Gemara, really Rabbi Yosi, this is something that we learned about many blad ago, that there wasn't just one shulchan. There was a whole host of shulchanos in the uh, in the mikdash built by David uh, or Shlomo. I can't remember which one. Uh, I think they were built like, built by Shlomo, pretty sure. Anyways, he couldn't walk all the way against that northern wall. Why? Because there was a table there. Just logistics. It just didn't work. Well, Ms. Safkele, Umefaska, uh, excuse me, There, he couldn't walk up against that wall because there was a table there. Because there was a table there, he just couldn't walk. So he walked below the shulchan but above the mizbeach, and then he would go up into that northern entrance of that first uh, of that first uh, Says the Gemara of Ibai Another answer is really mizrachumar Really, those tables were not north south. Those extra tables that Shlomo built were not north-south; they were east-west. East, um, however, umishum It's not appropriate, says the Gemara, according to this approach, to literally walk directly opposite the opening above the above the shulchan up against that northern wall. It's not appropriate to walk directly opposite the opening of the parochas. Too much kedusha. The it's too much kedusha for him. Why isn't it too much kedusha for you? So it says the Gemara, No, we're close with the Kodesh Baruch We don't need to do that. And the Kohen Gadol is allowed, it's not considered a chutzpah. He's close to a Kodesh Baruch and he's allowed to walk straight into the opening at the northern side. And therefore, um, he is absolutely allowed to do that. And that's why Rabbi Ossi allows it. Rebbe Nami, Neul ulbein menorah Lakosel, Rebbe if you Rabbi Yehuda hold that the opening of the first paroches is on the south side down here, so why did you walk above the menorah? You should walk below the menorah, walk south of the menorah, in between the wall of the menorah, the wall and the menorah, very very close to the southern bottom, uh, the southern uh, part of the heichal. Says the Gemara, we can't because of the following two words, me mane money his clothing will become shakhra, will become darkened it'll become black basically and we've probably seen this in some of our homes after uh, lighting Shabbos candles, that sometimes the walls can get darkened from the smoke. And if the walls get darkened from the smoke, it could could dirty his clothes. And that's not an appropriate way to go into the Mikdash. So therefore, by the shita that says you walk all the way against the top, the shulchan doesn't put off smoke, no problem. By the shita that says you walk on the bottom, you cannot walk in between the wall and the menorah because the wall is going to be dark and therefore walk above them. That explains all of the shitas. Mirza Hashem, tomorrow night, we'll pick up at 8.40 p.m. with Amar of Nasa. On four lines down and down on, on Basum Aleph, wishing you all a beautiful night.